This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. Uh, My name is Tom. I'm on here quite a lot, as is my guest again today, Tim Simmons. So uh, Tim's with me at Christchurch Manchester, and we're going to be having a chat today about calling people into ministry. Um, Let let me just set a little bit of uh, the thought process that got us to talk about this. And I became a Christian in the early 2000s. And right at the time that I first came into the church, I was seeing a bit of a, a swing happen away from something that I never got to witness myself. And from hearing what people were saying, it sounded like there'd been a time period when loads of focus in church was getting people into church ministry. So anyone who was young, anyone who had a bit of potential, the whole track was how do we get you leading a church? How do we get you preaching and doing full-time paid church ministry as really the the most God-honoring, the most significant way that you could use your life? And then doing anything else was a bit second rate or this is the way it was portrayed anyway I don't know if that's a caricature or whether that was the real thing Um, perhaps some of you who are listening might have experienced it and and know the time that I'm talking about but what I've really seen over my 20 years in the church is a swing in the opposite direction so loads of focus on how do we use our whole life for the glory of God how do we do different career paths how do we be Christians in business Christians in the arts, Christians in uh, medicine, Christians in law, Christians in education, whatever field you might want to put, how do you do that well for the glory of God? And there's so much in that that obviously makes sense, that that is so so good, so God honor, it's a kingdom of God. Yet I wonder if we've swung so far in that direction that we've left a bit of a hole when it comes to calling people into church ministry. Now, Tim, you've been a Christian longer than me. You're also older than me. So you've probably seen things that I didn't see. Um, I'd just like to get your reflections to start with. Did you ever see a moment in time when church ministry was way overemphasized? Is that something you've lived through? Uh, It is very, I think so, yes. I've been thinking about this because I knew we were going to talk about it. Uh, And I think my mum and dad's generation, so the boomers, baby boomers, I think neither um, neither of whom went into full time ministry. Both had um, both had jobs. Uh, dad was an engineer. Mum was a nurse, uh, as well as bringing up a family. And I suspect they would say that they experienced that, um, just in conversations around the place. So I, I think that that would perhaps have been true for their generation and the sort of church. They were in in the geography that they were in, South East England's um, charismatic evangelical, mm. uh, really coming out of those. That, and they would have been in the, the early waves of that in the 60s and 70s. And I wonder if in that era, it would definitely the kind of the sacred secular divides would have um, been more prevalent. So I, I think I saw it a bit, but it 
and I've seen the same reaction as you, Tom, observed it as well in, in our own movement of churches and in other movements of churches. And it has always slightly puzzled me because as a working adult from, so from being about 18, I never was never part of a church where I thought, oh, this church leader doesn't respect what I do. <laughs> Even in, when I had pretty mundane jobs, I never, I always felt that they encouraged me to do well at my job and uh, to engage in the world on, on those terms. So I feel like the reaction has gathered speed in the last 10, 15 years. But I've always been a bit like, I don't quite know what we're going up against here. So I, I wondered whether it was a, a, a slight baby boomer thing that was being a bit handed down uh, to us. That, that would be my, my unscientific observation. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, even just thinking about the Bible, because uh, I'm going to totally caricature here, but you can imagine a situation with... Um, Peter and John by the Sea of Galilee be like, well, what do you mean Jesus come and follow you and do ministry? Like, we're, we're, we're fishermen. This is our thing. Can't we honour God in the way we're, we're catching fish? And of course you can do that. Um, but it seems like there are certain moments and certain people and certain individuals where, yes. where God will redirect what they're doing. And that's not to diminish what they were doing before. Yes. But God's got something for them, and he wants to, to lead them in a, a, a new thing. And often that is ministry that is people-centric, pastoral ministry, maybe teaching ministry, maybe foreign cross-cultural mission ministry. God has a way of taking people from one thing to another thing. Mm. And I wonder if we, we overemphasize the career is calling, vocation is calling, and miss the idea that now the calling is following God and following him yeah. where he leads. And for some seasons, that might mean laying down a career and going into pastoral stuff. For other seasons, it might mean laying down pastoral stuff and going back into the workplace. It might mean being ready to take on something that you don't really feel any significant calling or meaning from but it just helps with what God has been speaking to you about. I know jobs that I've done, right? At CCM, we, we do part-time work quite a lot and gradually build up to full-time, doing a day or two and then more. And I've worked jobs that I knew that this was a means to an end. It was paying the bills. It was supporting my family and freeing up some time to do what God was calling me to do in the church, which is like Paul and making tents and doing what he did there. Um, yeah, I wonder what you think about that and what's your take on the idea that we, we can overemphasize career calling. Mm. Yeah, I think it's... So I, I'm, the things that I wonder about in this are <clears throat> the sort of churches that we are part of. And I, again, I don't make huge sweeping statements, but for the that's what the podcast is all about, right? Um, is that they maybe lean towards um, university graduates, so uh, people think about their careers in a certain type of way. We're quite success orientated as a culture. Um, and uh, and so that it all gets filtered through those things a bit. So when I've been at events where um, this sort of thing might be talked about, trying to encourage people to think about their work or their vocation in terms of calling and ministry, um, which I think people should. Uh, and then the people they would get up as an example tend to be those who have been very successful. Mm. Um, not 
necessarily those that have been just quietly diligent and obedient, but not successful. So you, you would have someone who's very senior in a, in a, in a particular organisation. So let's say, for example, uh, compare it to my wife, someone senior in a, um, a, a health service or a health trust in the UK, done very well, clearly high impact at a policy level. Uh, and part of that for them is their their faith in God, and that's really important. But wonderful, very useful. But for most of the people in the equivalent uh, um, sphere of work, so in the health, they're not going to reach that level. So I think of my my wife; she's a nurse, works diligently, will get to a certain level, um, and who knows what level she'll get to by the time. But that not everybody graduates all the way through, so it is quite success orientated, not service diligence orientated. Which I think I I think I know what I mean when I say that whether anybody else does and, and I, that always slightly troubled me that it, as quite a, a an affluence individualistic way of looking at it think, well there are people here who perhaps for whatever reason education didn't suit them and they find themselves in a particular career which may or not may be more or less fulfilling than someone else's career but they're never going to be invited up onto the stage and say look this is how I'm uh, God is using me this is how it's a great calling the calling may just be you know I have enough money to get decent accommodation for me and my family we can eat I've got pension plan I can be a bit generous and, and that that is the limits of what how they view it um and so then it, it, I'm not sure then this narrative particularly helps people. So that, that has troubled me about it. Mm. Yeah, and I think what you're saying, if you think of most of human history, what you're saying is even starker, isn't it? Like yeah. we, we live in a time when the, there's freedom to choose careers yeah. and the normal thing to do is figure out what you enjoy doing, what you're good at, and apply for jobs in that field. And if you can get one, great. If you can't, maybe you settle for something that isn't quite as ideal. But for most of history, you'd be doing the jobs that your family did. And your dad was a farmer, and then you'd grow up and you'd learn how to work the farm and you'd take it on. And you wouldn't be thinking about career progression, if I'm going to be a leader of a thousand farmers by the end of my career. You you diligently work your farm and then you teach your kids to do the same. And that's how it would work. And so we're bringing a lot of our cultural individualism, consumerism, even into Korea. And I wonder if we're baptizing it with spiritual language of calling and vocation, when essentially what we're really saying is, I want something that makes me feel good, that I enjoy doing, that I'll get some success out of. I don't think those are bad things to do, but sometimes if the cost of that is um, my main thing is career, does that bring it into idolatry rather than calling sometimes. Um, perhaps it does. Um, but what I want to pick up on, less so about a rant on career as vocation, <laughs> is getting to the real thing of um, calling into pastoral ministry yeah. was where this conversation was centred. Yeah. Now, I don't think everybody should do church-based pastoral ministry. Um, it'd be a nightmare for the budget, if nothing else. Um <laughs> But some people should, and I, I just wonder, as a, as a pastor, when you're looking at young people who are coming through in your congregation, and um, you're meeting up with people, you're having a coffee, you're talking about future and career and jobs, what's some of the things that kind of flashes in your head that makes you think, 
actually, this is a person I want to plant a seed about doing some pastoral stuff, working in a church setting. Are, are there particular triggers that make you think that's right for a certain person? It's not just as simple as, well, they're a brilliant person, so we want them, or is it as simple as that? Uh, well, I think there's uh, appetite is really important. And uh, I, so I, funny, the first thing often that will, will indicate to me that they could be good at it is if they they seem like they want to. Uh, and I, I think that's a bit um, of a lost thing nowadays. Um, I'll often I'll often hit pastors saying, oh, yeah, they they really want it. So they probably need to wait. Uh, and it, you'll be at your best as a church leader when you don't really want it, which sounds like a recipe for burnout to me. But um, so I think for me, when I'm meeting people, there's a a bit of a desire to, um, yeah, to operate in the church, to lead, to initiate. Um, they, they've got ideas of things that they think will help in in mission, in community, in serving the poor. Uh, all, all of those things tend to give me a little, even if, you know, we've got, uh, guys and girls who just they have a good idea for how community group can work and it's that kind of low level you think oh, actually so there's calling in ministry I mean you could be talking we could be talking you could be the full-time pastor or it's actually I just I think I have a teaching gift and I, I want to be able to serve in that way even if I'm working another job or running community opportunities or as an evangelist or um, church planting so there's lots of kind of within that that realm isn't there so appetite for me feels like that's the big one I think over the years we me and you Tom would know plenty of people we've looked at who are very gifted who just don't want it and there's no they have no desire for it at all and there have been a few people I've really tried to talk into it like I think you'd be brilliant at this and they would have been but they just don't want it so Mm. you cut and that that kind of ends the conversation really yes would you agree I definitely would, yeah. Um, I was thinking as you talk about appetite, how it links with confidence as well. And we've talked about this, I think, on a pod before yes. about the way a social media saturated culture and people growing up as teens where everything is in the public eye, everything's getting critiqued, mm. has has dampened the enthusiasm to step out, to have a go, and just knowing it's quite a brutal thing whenever you put yourself out there knowing that you're getting graded by your peers for it. And just thinking, how do we tease out who's got an appetite, but just their their confidence that they can do it, that they'd be able, is a bit low. So that can sometimes look like they don't have an appetite. And there is a bit of coaxing and a bit of pushing. And I can think of people who do loads for us up at the front in our meetings now that when they started doing it, we're, we're often a nervous wreck and we're often mm. really timid and didn't think they had much to bring to the table. And uh, it, it was a difficult thing. And as they've walked through it and as they've done things, they've grown into it. Yeah. How, how do you how do you know when it's an appetite thing and when it's a confidence thing? Well, I mean, if David Devonish were here, who's been on this podcast a few times and um, does all sorts of teaching on culture and bringing through leaders in different cultures, he I can hear him almost <laughs> telling me that actually confidence is a very white, Western, kind of British way of viewing leadership. And mm. actually, he would say, look, if you're in other cultures, if you elevate the confident person, that you're elevating the what they would view as the troublemaker, whereas actually some of the, the quieter, diligent, 
older, more faithful, um, mm. he would say you you want to be elevated them, not the troublemakers. So it, culturally, mm. so even as you're, you're asking a question there, Tom, I think I may have shot myself in the foot. But I guess in our <laughs> culture, yeah, I I think there is it is a confidence thing. You should be looking at that. Uh, it may be in, if we're looking to bring through uh, white British. Uh, youngsters or British youngsters uh, but I guess if we're in a multicultural church which we are we need to have a full view of who's in front of us um, but I wonder if helping people to take the first steps like you've described is a better way of viewing it so I mean you're very good at uh, running our preacher training course which we have a very open invite to uh, with no promise that they will actually preach but that gives us an it gives you an opportunity to see people in action in a very safe kind of or friendly uh, uh, environment, yes. uh, which actually allows us to see whether somebody is gifted and then whether we can give them a bit of confidence. Yes. That, I think. Yeah, I can think a number of times when I've invited people on that course and the conversation that I've had with them is, look, what I'm asking you to do is turn up on three Thursday nights. I'm not asking you to preach. You're not committing yourself to doing anything. And if you hate it at the end of the course... I will just go away and stop asking you to do it ever again. And that has proved with some people, I think if I'd have just said, hey, come to the preaching course, mm. they said, no, no, it's not for me. That's proved enough to make the the appetite show forth. So, okay, I can do that. I can, I can do that little bit. Mm. And then hearing it broken down, what's involved, and being able to workshop some stuff and have a go has gradually – and you said take the first step mm. it's step by step by step oh i can do that and i can do that and i actually quite enjoy doing that and it has brought people along and i i think this calling thing sometimes when we talk about calling into ministry we default to thinking we're making a really big jump that, mm. that that's the ask that mm. you're not doing anything now become a full-time pastor mm. make it all that you do preach every week mm. run the pastoral side of things or become our frontline worship leader or wh whatever it might be whereas i think really what we're talking about is a whole series of gradual step-by-step -step asks so it might be hey i, I have a, a good voice why don't you just come and sing with the band one week and take that step and then maybe a future week you get asked to lead one song and step by step by step you're doing more mm. and it's calling into a journey that if we're willing and able to be continually making little asks and continually developing people we'll look back and think wow we've actually brought someone through in quite a, a big way here um, I don't know what you think about that yeah no I think you're right I, I, I think there's something of the way um, that we do church in Manchester, which forces us to to think about it. I mean, we have absolutely no choice. We're having conversations this morning about that we, we need to find someone. And it's not just we need someone to help with a PA, although we always need that as well. It's uh, we need someone to kind of step up at a, a level in preaching and leadership and not just one. And once that one thing's been resolved, there'll be more. And so uh, for us, it is a very high... It's just high priority because we realise when we, we put people into leadership, we create mission opportunities. We just, yeah. even in our newest site in Reddish, um, non-believers are turning up there and being interacted with. 
with a sense of urgency because there's a new site there that mm. needs to come to life. Uh, and that, that means that we're constantly putting in those small opportunities. I mean, we were talking this morning how we use the offering or communion or the notices mm. on a Sunday to to give some of our leaders a bit more confidence and profile so that it helps them to come through. Yes. Yeah, um, no, you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, let's kind of then bring these two halves of the conversation together because we started by talking about working lives. And if we're wanting to call people into more church-based settings, what we don't want to do is diminish what they do as a job and make people feel like, yeah, you go to work nine to five or whatever hours you work. Um, but the real thing you do is when you get to sing in the band or lead a meeting or give a notice or preach or whatever it might be, we do want people to feel like you honor God in your workplace. We don't want to do it in a way that the workplace becomes everything because I think God's got a lot for the gathered church that we've diminished a bit in the way we talk about it. How, how do you balance the two when you're talking to people and help them prioritise both their, their church life and their work life and see them both as ways to honour God and step out and do significant things? Yeah, I mean, there's what you do corporately on Sunday and then there's just... It's, it sounds like you're describing someone who's a half-decent pastor and a half-decent pastor or, or even a half-decent human would be interested in what somebody is interested in. So you, some people just aren't, don't want to talk about it. Their work is their work and, I, yeah, it's not interesting to me, Tim, uh, and they don't want to talk about But there's stuff in their lives that they are interested and engaged in uh, and that they might see it as their, their place in the world uh, even if it's like their hobby, but their hobby gives them a, access to a different community of people or um, or their family life and whether they've got unbelievers in their family. So for me, it feels like you're just you're a, a half decent person <laughs> if, you, if you talk to people and are interested and ask follow up questions. And I think what we do on a Sunday is, I mean, I'll try and throw in illustrations in the preach that aren't just this pastor or this missionary did this. So you try and think in those terms of what it means to be obedient follower of God's in your working life. Um, and yeah, kind of talking about those things with dignity and, and reason and purpose. I mean, I, I partly wonders if it's as simple as that. Um, yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, I was even thinking about how we like my previous comments about how we do church means we're forced to bring through leaders. And again, I'm going to go at this with a huge sweeping statement. Um, but sometimes the, the kind of the, the vocational heavy stuff can seem to come, again, sweeping statement, out of churches which perhaps aren't presenting the same level of opportunities in, in, in leadership. So I, I think there is a, <laughs> even as I'm saying this out loud, uh, I, I think there is some thinking to do in that. Do we... As a church, believe that actually helping people to come through and lead gives them ownership and also creates mission opportunity. Whereas we tend to talk about the vocation stuff as a mission opportunity is a bit tagged on in the end there. Um, yeah, I'm going to drop that bomb in your direction, Tom, and let you tidy up. Oh, I, I, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That. Um... I think on Good Friday, we did a um, a service for all our sites, which we, we don't often do at a time when all the sites come together. 
but we did. And the person who we had preaching at it wasn't on the staff of the church. It's someone who is part of one of our sites, works as a speech and language therapist, and um, she did a great job, like really good preach. And you could see there were people from other sites who have brought it up since. Um, like, wow, this is this is great. You've given someone an opportunity there. Like You'd expect a, a church would just default to staff and leaders and by yeah. having a model where a lot of people are giving opportunities, it, it a, enables everyone else to have hope. I can do some stuff here. Mm. <clears throat> but also for the person in question, I, I can imagine the kind of conversations that might have gone on in the workplace. And I don't know if she had them or not, but you, you can imagine, hey, what did you do at the weekend? <clears throat> oh, well, I preached at a Good Friday service. It's quite yeah. an interesting thing to drop in. And yeah. the, the mission things that can launch from that as they're they're integrated or even before the event like i'm doing this thing you know my, my mates are much more likely to come along and support me in doing something than just to passively spectate something with me yeah. and so i think yeah. it does link into to mission opportunities for sure um yeah it, it, it's an interesting thing as well i think i've noticed when we think about people's work life we can often use that as a basis to say no for them on church stuff so they have this career they're busy oh so they wouldn't be up for doing that yes and i found that's not always true sometimes it is sometimes you ask someone to do something and they genuinely are too busy or don't have the appetite and you know that's fine but a lot of the time the people who who are busy in the workplace uh, tend to be busy because they're quite high capacity they've got a lot about them and they can make things work and they are eager to take stuff on and they do want to lead in both settings. And when we say no, I think we miss some great opportunities to draw people in. Yeah. yeah I mean, for me, this conversation was driven by, I mean, we're church planters, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, we need to plant more churches. We need to plant more in the UK by yeah. distance. And, and sometimes you, we're, people tend to think, oh, there's a couple of churches in the city. It's done. <laughs> you think, oh, well, I'm not sure. So we, we desperately need more people who want to initiate uh, at yeah. that kind of level. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. I think we often think in the terms of you take a full-time job with a church or with y- your employment. Um, whereas actually, I think, I mean, we've both been bivocational for for um numbers of years although i'm full-time now and you will be again eventually but there is a but we live in that world and a lot of our staff are um and that's quite important to us um so i i think that uh, when i hear people talk about this stuff and i i'm always it always slightly disheartens me think yeah i totally get it i want everybody to to view their job in the in in a godly worshipful way it's important it's an act of worship um but we need more church planters we need people on church plant core teams um we need worship leaders we need people who are going to give up some stuff and go and do things uh, and i i worry if we're i worry if we're losing that a little bit um yeah yeah, I, I think you might be right. I think this might be a good place to, to leave it because that's quite a, a direct provocation for people listening. What kind of church culture are you creating? Mm. How are you encouraging people to come through? Mm. Are, are you swinging too far mm. to, hey, your, your work life doesn't matter and it's all about church? Are you swinging too far the other way and it's all about the vocation and you're missing a trick on getting people into ministry? I think we've all got things to learn on it. We probably all swing both ways at different moments in time. But this is a moment 
for mobilising the church, for seeing new things planted, for seeing new people step up uh, and for reaching this generation that we've got before us. So, hey, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more content. Um, also check out the broadcast website for more from us. That's thebroadcastnetwork.org. We've got our Renewal for Revival conference coming up in June. If you're able to get to Manchester and join us, we would love to have you there. We've got a great lineup for it. So check out all that on the website and we will see you next time.